You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. I'm not really upset that Auburn is 3-3. Three and three. I think there was a clear path for Auburn to be 3-3 three and three at this point in the season, given who we had to play in terms of Texas A&M, LSU, and Georgia. And there's no shame in losing to, to Georgia or even LSU, who now appears to begin looking like the team that I thought they were going to be uh, in the preseason. Um, but I am frustrated with where we are offensively. Very frustrated with how we are offensively. I didn't, and again, didn't get a chance to kind of share my thoughts. Uh, shouts out to some of our um, fellow podcasters from the College Loop and Uptempo podcast for hopping on, sharing their thoughts uh, about the game. But I'll give them some of my thoughts, guys. I know typically as the host, I'm typically quarterbacking these discussions and, and uh, throwing you guys topics and asking questions. But I do want to say a few things before we get into the show. Um, I'm doing something a little different because I think it fits really appropriately here, but here goes. What did we see? All right. Hugh, I'm going to need you to come down to the front of the congregation. (laughs) Mm. I want to have a word with you. Now, beginning of this last year, I've talked about this. Of the war report, there were two guys who, when we talk about coaches, we wanted. Once we finally start speaking up, two of us actually wanted Hugh Freeze. Ike's raising his hand, and yours truly speaking now, wanted Hugh Freeze. So we were excited. I was excited. Kind of quiet about it because his hire brought a lot of controversy. There were people who had issues about his past and so on and so forth and whether or not he deserved to have the Auburn job. So I was really quiet with my excitement, but I was excited about this hire because of what he has done offensively in previous stops. Ole Miss, Liberty, Arkansas State, so on and so forth. And I'm not saying that I'm jumping ship. This isn't a personal attack on Hugh Freeze. I still think he's a great coach. But Hugh Freeze, we're calling you to the front because I I have some questions for you. I'm beginning to question a few things, not based off of any expectation I had, per se. It's off of things you have said publicly to the media. There was a point, I can't remember, guys, if it was media days or just going into fall camp, Hugh Freeze said this, correct me if I'm wrong. He said, I feel that I could win with all three QBs, being Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, Holden Gurner. Did he say that? Yeah, he did say that. He did say that. I actually think that that might have even predated Peyton Thorne's arrival. Yes, that okay. was when TJ, that was, when TJ was, was on the team, Okay, if I'm not so mistaken. He, so he believed that he could win with the quarterbacks we have here. Yet, we get in games, six games in, 
Auburn has yet to eclipse 1,000 yards passing. We are 120 out of 130 in FBS teams in terms of passing offense. And the guy that you brought out of the, pa- out, out of the transfer portal that you skipped over QBs to get to is missing receivers when he does see them. When he chooses to throw the ball, he'll miss receivers. Doesn't see certain receivers who are getting open. Sees some receivers that gets open and hesitates and misses the opportunity to get the ball to them. Several times yesterday and throughout this season, we've seen him throw into double coverage. Punting the ball with his arm, in a sense. You said you can win with our QBs, Hugh. What, what's happening? And if you felt that good about Robbie Ashford and Holden Gurner, and you see that we're struggling on offense passing the ball, how come you don't trust to throw the ball with any of these guys in key moments, in key situations? If you believe you can win with these people. And this is the guy who said, I turn around programs and I improve, I improve QBs. Didn't he say that too, Mike? Yeah, he did. Okay. Introductory so what he said doesn't match with what we're seeing six games in. He, what, what, what's going on, Hugh? Because this isn't about Payne Thorne anymore. I'm not even trying to bash him. This is about Hugh and what he has said. Why is it that you have been able to have success everywhere you've been and now you look lost. Why is it that we have, we're on our third offensive-minded head coach and our offense looks historically bad? How is it that Hugh Freeze, Phil Montgomery, Kent Austin have come together and put together a worse offense than Eric Kiesel? How did you do that? How did you manage to achieve that? Are you even trying, Hugh? Again, I'm not mad that we're three and three. There's a clear path to being three and three, but why are we historically bad offensively? Got a question. And my second question, Hugh. You're asking a good one so far. Continue. Go ahead. (laughs) What in the heck is going on at Auburn? I understand why people get into conspiracy theory and think that there's someone meddling in the program because how is it that Gus Malzahn, mm-hmm. our previous coach, mm-hmm. Carson, Hugh Freeze, who are offensive coaches, get here and forget how to put together a competent offense, at least in the passing game. How does that happen at Auburn? You two for two on good questions. Keep asking them. And quietly, Gus Malzahn, quietly, he has a top 10 offense statistically. It's like he remembered how to put together an offense after he left here. Mm. What is happening here? How is it that you get here in year one, we have a terrible passing offense? And this is what you do. This is what you were brought in to do. Throw a forward pass. I just have questions about where we go from here. Because if I am questioning what you're saying, best believe I would think that the players are questioning what you're saying. 
And this is the problem because I appreciate Hugh Freeze prioritizing recruiting because the previous coach didn't do that. So I can appreciate you prioritizing recruiting. But here's the problem, Hugh. If you're mismanaging the guys that you have here now, the guys that do stay will be your leaders next year. Mm. Meaning your recruits are looking to them for leadership. And if you've mismanaged them, how can we trust that you're going to manage Walker White correctly? Talk how can we yourself. trust that you're going to manage Perry Thompson correctly? Mm-hmm. How can we trust that you're going to mar- manage all these guys that you're bringing in and touting? We're, up, we're upgrading the talent, but you're mismanaging the guys you have here who you're going to need to lead them next year. Mm-hmm. You, you preaching you preaching better than they saying amen. That's all I got to say. <laughs> it is Sunday. Mm. <laughs> I got questions. I hope next week we get some answers. Mm, yeah, that was a, a beautiful, that was a poetic ending to this. <laughs> I got questions. Hopefully we get some answers. Uh, I would like to add on to that. <laughs> I, I, forgive me. Ike went on, off last on, night. Come on, Deacon. I, I, I reserved myself last night, but I don't want to hear shit from the Mike G, you've been so negative crowd because most of those people <laughs> last night were on my Twitter Saying what in the heck? And I, it was funny. Like it, we want to, we want to speak truths on the show. Um, we are a fan channel, so we try to be positive where we can and get the positive side of things. But at some point, you just got to call a spade a spade. You know, um, I, I will credit my co my co host here, my co show host here, for b- holding that positivity for this staff a, a little longer than I did. You know, I got I was I got off the train after Texas A and M. You know, it was it looked. You know, the things that. Okay, so go. Let's let me take you guys back to last year, guys. Bear with me for just a second. Oh, Give me just like two, we have to two two minutes. <laughs> Give me two minutes to explain last this, right? Year. Like right, right. Now, last year was bad. It was bad, but yeah. around LSU, between Missouri and LSU, there was at least an admission by the staff that the direction they thought they would take the offense to start the season was not the right direction. Right? There was an extreme pivot, and it looked different on the field at LSU. What fans have been patiently waiting on is for that pivot. Week in and week out, it has looked the same. Now, this is the third straight game where my sources have told me that they have gone into the week with one plan and then on game day abandoned most of what they practiced. <laughs> this was stuff that used to happen under Gus. Anthony Schwartz saying, like, <laughs> Anthony Schwartz is in front of NFL scouts, and they're like, you don't know how to run any of these routes. And he's like, oh, yeah, we know how to run them. We just never did it in games. That's why it's not on tape. But we did it in practice all the time. And I just have questions. Now, look, I'm tired of people, but I I know that parents watch this show, so I want to be very, very clear. I have always been and always will be pro player. Am I biased? Hell yeah, I am. Because the millionaires should own the bulk of the responsibility for why the system looks the way it does. Right? I, I, I don't care what which you think comes first, the chicken or the egg. Something comes first. And it's what you're asking the kids to do, first and foremost. And it has, I, I think last night was the first time that you could not go out and say, well, I, I don't know. I did say this. He, he did say 
that he felt like, hey, man, those things could have been executing executed better. But the personnel decisions fall on you. If you have, look, man, as all of us have been leaders at some point in our professional career before we started doing the war poor, some of us still are. And in any normal workplace, when you have people who work under you, who are underperforming, you either make a decision about them or the people who you report to will make a decision about you. Right. That's it. Last night, it's been widely reported. So, you know, uh, Dylan brought it up last night. Keontae Scott tweeted out nine. (laughs) Inexplicably, we had people on the beat saying, oh, that was in support of Eugene Asante. Give me a break. Are you carrying water for this staff like that? That you're trying to divert? That was not about that. (laughs) There was one dude (laughs) that wears nine that that was about. I have questions about this locker room, and I have questions about what the goal end goal here is. Now, I have asked a question publicly in, in, in pressers, and I'm not afraid to ask it again. What is the point to, to talk consistently talking about how you need guys when you are coaching games now? How does that further your cause this year because if I had one year left to play and I chose to play on this team and this coach is making these decisions, that's crap. You owed it to the kids who only had one year of eligibility left to put your best foot forward this year. If this was my last year of college football, guys, if I had one year left to get some tape and I was a receiver, I'm Shane Hooks, I'm these guys. Now, they have to hold up their end of the bargain, but they can't catch passes from themselves. My last point is about the the personnel changes right now feel like sabotage. I don't even know what to make of it. Mm -hmm. You got momentum going. And again, in an SEC game, we see you switch quarterbacks. Other beat writers have asked, hey, man, if you're trying to get one guy settled, does the rotation kind of like the antithesis of that? (laughs) And you know you're going to lose this game. Why not why, just see it through? Why not just not see what the dude has for the rest of the game, dude? Listen, look how how many guys? How many games has Alabama lost this year? Anybody know what Alabama's record is? Six and one, seven and one, right? Yeah. Six and one. That dude has already switched quarterbacks for an entire game. That guy has already switched starters. <laughs> Just to see if the other dude, because it wasn't looking and wasn't up to the standards. The leash here is something I don't understand. I was okay with him starting, you know, going into this, I was okay with him starting the game. I was, because a lot of folks felt like what we saw against Georgia was a step forward. I wasn't there, but I was like, okay, I can see it. What I have a problem with is after we came out of the half, I, I tweeted out, if, if, the, if, if we have any success moving the ball on offense, I would imagine Thorne would be done for the day and they're probably going to stick with Ashford just to see what he has because it's pretty clear you're not going to win this game. Yet they pulled it to within two scores, 10 points. And then you self-sabotaged. <laughs> what? Explain to me on any level how that makes sense. And I don't, you know, people are going to tweet easy to say that from the couch. Yes, it is quite easy to say that. <laughs> I saw a 
myriad of bad coaching decisions yesterday. I saw Dan Lanning go for it like four times on fourth down when one field goal would have secured him the biggest win in his tenure at Oregon. Coaches are paid to make decisions. Explain this decision-making to me, guys, because it felt like that was a layup. Again, we're not talking about wins and losses in year one. So for anybody listening to this, it's just not about wins and losses, guys. This is about how you play the game. That's a movie quote. I don't remember which movie. (laughs) But like how you play the game, how you're losing it. And right now, objectively, again, the last time Auburn was on pace to be this statistically bad, they fired the coach. 2012. They had... So uh, 3,660 yards of total offense. Auburn is on pace to match that total if the SEC averages hold from now until the end of the season. That's good for bottom 10 in the FBS offensively. Again, wins and losses are one thing, but worst 10 in all of college football? Wow. (laughs) Wow. Explain that to me. In the modern era... Of offense, Auburn is averaging 14 points on the road this year. That's crazy. I don't care what we do at home. Caesar, that's crazy. I don't care what we do at home. I I get it. It was Georgia. It was Georgia. Cool. But we're averaging 14 points on the the road. Okay, I'll take you back. Again, when you have this, when when you have scheme and decision-making issues, you play down the competition. So a lot of a lot of you guys felt like, hey, if they can run the ball on Georgia, they can run on anybody. And I'm like, mm, in theory, that should be true. <laughs> but when you find ways to self-sabotage, you you play down to the competition. <laughs> and that's exactly what they're doing. That's a, but that's not a talent issue, that's a coaching issue. These guys, I mean, to start the game, after the first two drives, I was like, I don't have any words for this. You had two weeks to prepare. <laughs> and that's what you put out there? Yikes, man. I would, Guys, I would, I'll end by just saying this. I, I would expect at the end of the season, if, you, if I were a receiver and I had eligibility left and a free transfer, I'm out of here. I would not waste another year of eligibility under this. And he may pull it together and he may get it headed the right direction, sure. But going into this offseason, like if you're expecting some crazy recruiting class to come in and rescue this, I, I would temper your expectations on that. Because you brought in about 50% of your roster from the portal and from high school this year. Right. And this is what you're doing with these kids. Now you want me to believe that you're going to take more kids. Now, if you're going to recruit dudes all over the place and have a top five recruiting class, sure. If you're going to get a once in a generation quarterback to come through here, great. You know what happens, though, when it's decisions and not the kids? You get right up to the door and then you Dan landing it. Bo was playing great. They were moving the ball. All he had to do was make the easy decision to kick field goals and they beat Washington. Washington doesn't even have a chance to come back at the end of the game. But they didn't make the right decisions and they had all the pieces in place. That coach came out and said, guys, that was 100% on me. 
I played myself. He didn't blame the kids. He didn't say, hey, man, we need a couple more guys at this position. <laughs> we could survive by dumb decisions. Because some dumb decisions were made yesterday. And that's all I want. That's all I would want to hear if I were a fan on Monday. I didn't have this team prepared. I don't hear shit about execution, this player, that player. I we did not have a good game plan, and I did not have the team prepared. Because of the way you lost. Right. That's all I'm saying. Worst defense in the SEC by a long shot. And that's what you put on the field offensively against them. Yikes, man. I don't get it. All right. What do we got? We got something else to talk about? Oh, hey, I can be. Uh, <laughs> any any uh, any thoughts? Any thoughts today about 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 this? Just any anything that we haven't said? <laughs> we're we're gonna get nine <laughs> trending on, on on social media. I think I think I said everything that I wanted to say about this last night. Yeah, um, please go watch that. I am I'm going to more calmly say this. First and foremost, no amount of frustration that I have could begin to equate to the amount of frustration those young men on the yeah. team have mm-hmm. because they don't want to go out there looking like this. Right. They don't feel as if what they're putting on the field is representative of the talent level that they have. And I can't imagine that they feel they're being put in the optimal position to display that talent. So I want to say first and foremost to all the players and parents that watch this show, I get it. You're frustrated. I'm going to make a plea to you as a fan. This could mean absolutely nothing to you. Don't give up on your season because it's not looking good right now. There's still a lot of football left to be played in this season. Find a way to go out there and make it work and at least give 100% effort from now until the end of this because at the end of the day, if you're out there on the field, that's what you're going to be judged by is your tape. They're not going to look and say, well, I don't know if the coach put you in the optimal positions. We've heard this from guys that were at Auburn before. Their stock was, was plummeting out there because the tape didn't prove anything. You could say, yeah, I know how to run all these routes. They just never let me. It doesn't really matter. Your stock plummets anyway. So unless you're a combine freak athlete, they're not going to look past that. So at least let your effort be out there on the field. That's all I'm asking from you guys. And again, that's a selfish request from a fan that just wants to see our team go out there and and look better on Saturdays. I know that's a selfish request. I'm asking you to put your body on the line for my satisfaction. I get that. But I'm still going to ask because I'd like to see that for you and your collegiate future, whether you decide to stay at Auburn or not. That's up to you and your decisions after this season. What I will say furthermore for if a coach happens to watch this show and you see us get on here upset as fans making all of these statements about what we feel like is a subpar product based upon the talent level that's here at Auburn. I don't, again, and I say this on Twitter today, both you, Mike, and Caesar have said this. The record that we have is not the frustrating thing. No, it's I'm not. not frustrated at three and three. 
because three and three wasn't a possibility based upon what our first six games were. I'm frustrated in we have not seemed to prepare these young men to perform at a level that is commiserate. Yes, I did use another big word with the level of the talent that they have, regardless of whether or not you feel as if their talent level is equal to or better than the opposition that they have. They have not been placed in a position to be able to optimize the talent that they do have. And I don't understand that. So this is my plea to the coaches I get it that they can't do the things that you've been asking them to do since the fall camp, spring, whatever it is. I get that. You don't have the guys to execute that. Can we figure out something that works for these young men so that they can go out there and put competent football on the field? Can we do that? Can we? If you don't feel that they're capable of executing the things that you're asking them to do, ask them to do different things. Because that's what during the bye week we said we were going to do. If I'm not mistaken, I'll take a page out of what you said, uh, C. Coach Hugh Freeze got in a press conference and said, if this guy can't do that, then we're going to stop asking him to do it. You yeah. said that made a lot of sense to you. And I said, you're darn right that makes sense. Let's do that. Let's change what we're asking them to do and do things that make more sense for their skill set. I'd love to see us do that for four quarters of football for every game remaining this season. And lastly, to the fans out there who somehow are upset with us for saying what is blatantly obvious, grow up. Grow up and stop pretending as if me saying what's blatantly obvious is somehow damning to the program that's putting the bad product on the field. How is it that you're coming to me after reviewing a bad product and you're saying you're the problem? It ain't my fault. I didn't play a single down of football. I didn't coach a single practice. I didn't call a single play. I didn't decide who goes in and out of the game. I am not responsible for Gus Malzahn being fired and having an inept uh, football program. I am not responsible for Bo Nix deciding to transfer after playing mediocre here for multiple seasons and damaging his prospects and going out there, by all means, taking his flyer and go to uh, uh, Oregon and play well. That's not my fault because I pointed out that it happened. It is not not my fault that Brian Harson came in here and decided he didn't want to recruit people. It is not my fault that Alan Gring decided in a hot tub somewhere that he wanted to go make his coaching decision. It is not my fault that Coach Hugh Freeze is currently here and went to the transfer portal and got a quarterback from Michigan State who was mediocre there and has come here and continued to be mediocre. It is not my fault that they went out and decided even in the midst of his mediocrity, to continue to play him down after down in the midst of the backup quarterback going in there and performing admirably. It is not my fault that the defense gets worn out consistently because we can't keep drives on the field. It's not my fault we can't kick the ball into the end zone consistently. It is not my fault just because I pointed out. You can't blame me for that. And if you want to sit here and second guess my opinion about something, you're welcome to do that. But don't come on here and tell me that I somehow am responsible for it. 
that silliness. Watch something else. I don't care. But I'm not going to stop saying my opinion about things just because somehow you've decided that I am not allowed to voice that opinion, even though that opinion is substantiated by the things that actually happened. I didn't make it up. I didn't make up the completion percentages. I didn't make up the ineptitude on offense. I didn't make up any of the things that have happened in the decisions that have been made with this football program. I just said it. That's not my fault. Grow up. Or find something else to do with your life. In my head, I can't. You remember that song? It ain't my fault. <laughs> yeah, Darby pointed it out. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. No, no, this is definitely not his fault. This is uh, this was this was uh, this was part of what I was holding back last last night. Like I said, I mean, I think I made a good point. If as you know, if you're an, a fan and you feel this way, imagine how those kids feel in that locker room after that. Right. Like feeling like they didn't get a chance to put their best foot forward. Um, there are some great kids. Auburn football has some great kids. Yeah. There's some there are some phenomenal young men on this team. And I think they deserve better than what we're watching. I do. Um, and I do hold them responsible. I'm just I'm tired. I'm tired let, of fans. Let me say this because coach. people are saying this. I'm not saying fire coach you freeze. That's not that if, if you heard that in everything that I'm saying, I'm not saying fire the coach. I'm not saying I'm out on him. I'm right. saying this ain't it, though. Right? Yeah, 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 to, yeah. There's some yeah. changes what, that need to what, And listen, and, and, and I, I preface what I said by alluding to the fact that two of us wanted Hugh Freeze. Yeah. So we're not leading the charge, the brigade, to fire the man. I'm not even taking personal shots. What I'm saying is I can objectively say to the coach that I wanted here, you got to do better. Yeah. And fast. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see um because at this point you're so like you like when you're when you're rebuilding a program, year one to me should be about kind of like laying a foundation. Um to me, this year now, if it does not improve substantially between now and the end of in December, um sets you back another year. Hear me out, guys. Like, this isn't going to be magically better. I mean, this lowers your floor and then puts your ceiling for next year much lower than it should have been. There was a question asked of Hugh Freeze in a presser about turning programs around. And if he was aware that Kirby Smart had Georgia in the national championship by year two. Nick Saban. Was in the championship by year two? Three. Oh, eight? Yeah. Year two, he, year two, they lost to Florida. Florida went to the national championship in year two. They lost an NC championship. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, he came in in 07. I just watched the Florida documentary. Okay, okay fair, fair enough. Right. So year three, they made it. Um, he fixed his talent issue pretty quickly. He did. That is now, true. Not one time in, in all of 07 and use, losing to UL Monroe did I hear Nick Saban say, we don't have guys. Find me the soundbite of Nick Saban during that season saying, we got to recruit better while he was coaching games. He went all the way to Pearl Harbor. 
But he did not bat for his kids. <laughs> he did not throw his kids. That's right. That's right. I forgot about the Pearl Harbor. He comment. went all the way to Pearl he Harbor, but he, he didn't touch a, those kids. He, he made an all-time bad comment to the media, but he didn't touch his his, his players. Because yeah. how is that going to motivate them to play for you? Right. <laughs> That's funny. That's why it's like you he did. He takes like all the way back <laughs> to a great American tragedy where he didn't touch his players. <laughs> Yikes, man. <laughs> That's wild, right? And so I, I would just encourage anybody to find me a clip of a coach talking about players in this way in year one. You know, Now, you can say, hey, we need to execute better. I think it's fair to critique what players do in-game. But saying you don't have the talent, right? I think it's okay even to acknowledge that the other team is loaded with talent, <laughs> Yo, Georgia's a talented team. I think every time you play them, you should give them those props. Don't give them any bulletin board material, certainly. Don't say the opposite. <laughs> but yeah, that that this is part of the learning curve, I think, that exists with coaches sometimes. And hopefully, he's still in a place in his life where he could maybe hear somebody, hopefully somebody close to him is telling him this. I pray to God there are not a bunch of yes men around him that are going to say, you're right, coach. We just got to blah, blah, blah. We just need a guy here. No. Coach, we got to make some changes. And you need to hear this. You know, if you're the president of anything or the CEO of everything, you can't do all the things the people under you can do. But, you you know, I think the best leaders have good advisors around them. And they know how to defer and listen to them when need be. And I, I, I can only pray that that's what happens here between now and the end of the season. I, can, I feel comfortable saying this now, but I know within Harson's staff, there was a struggle with that offense in those first few games. And somebody close to him who will remain unnamed went to him and said, Coach, this ain't it. His downfall was that he did not listen to that person earlier. He didn't hear it until it was too late, but he did hear it. (laughs) And they tried, but it was too late. Now, it is not too late for Hugh Freeze. Number one, because Auburn wanted him. (laughs) They didn't want Harson. They wanted him. So he already has an extra 12 months (laughs) that Harson didn't have to try to turn this around. But I would not wait until the end of the season to do that. Start Next next week versus Ole Miss. It is never too late to do stuff now. <laughs> do it right now. And it doesn't, they don't have to go out and beat Ole Miss. It just has to look substantially different, better, and, and put the players in a better position, man. There's a way to get the most out of the guys that you have. And I just don't, I'm not sure they're doing that. Now, I don't like people saying they're everybody, is it everybody, everybody is not capable on this team. You know, one, one thing I see a lot on social media is we don't have one guy that will go to another SEC school and start right now. If we don't, that's probably because of poor development up until now. But if they had gone into those programs, they might be those dudes. I mean, it's not true either way, though. So whatever. Right. So it's just it to me, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. The system, the system matters. What you're asking them to do matters. Leadership matters first and foremost. Leaders look at themselves first. Yeah. Right? And they look at the people under them second. 
That's it. Check yourself, and then let's move on. B, uh, I know we have we have talked a lot. You got anything, man? Man, y'all really spoke for me, man. I felt like you, know <laughs> <laughs> you ever you ever like put on the song. Rap song, you feeling at the moment. If you get your heart broke, a R and B song, like it don't matter. And it's just exactly what you feeling. It's really good to see this from from you. See, like that's what really made, made it. Hit home. Yeah. Come on home, see. I want to see that disappointment. <laughs> it feels good to hear that cover for you, man. Because I know you try you try to be positive and, and diplomatic about you know what I'm saying. It, it, I'm, I'm glad to hear that from you. But I, I'll say this: I don't have to say too much. When I started trying to sports bet, I, it was like, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. So um, theoretically, if I had placed sports bets, all right, y'all understand me? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I made the mistake of, didn't want the mistake. I won my very first season of sports betting. I won, theoretically. Mm-hmm. These practice sports bets where no real money was bet. Y'all understand me? Mm-hmm. That was the worst thing that could happen to me. Because I quickly lost because I had no, I was just running off pure gut. Like I was just betting, betting, betting. And then from that point, I did some losing. All right. Because I thought, well, what if our bet's going to hit? Because I got it. I got the juice. It's going. And then I, I did some losing. And I was like, man, hold up. I just had it. What happened? From that moment, I started playing really, really tight. Overthinking decisions. Well, no, no, no. The, this team was just good, you know, so I'm, I'm going to stick with them and, and I'm going to ride this out. And something that I learned over the next two years, because my two years after that, I just put some money in at the beginning of the football season, let the ride, see how it go. My next two years were not as kind to me. Were not as kind to me. The thing that I learned in those two years of mostly losses was you do have to go with your gut. You need a strategy. You need to understand what your approach is, but you also have to go with your gut. Don't don't refuse what's right in front of your face. Like when you see what you're seeing, just believe it. Like this is this is what's happening. There were times where I would go in where like going, oh man, they can probably do it. They can probably do it. They oh, but I don't know. What did their last game look like? Ah, oh, their stats weren't as good as I would hope. And so I don't do it. And then I go through a whole day of betting looking at my phone. It's like, well, the thing I bailed out on, that hit, that hit, that hit, that hit. That was the end of me being tentative about making decisions based on what I knew in my gut, but also what I saw right in front of my face. Don't second guess it. You're going to be who you are. I think the worst thing that you could ever do, maybe for anybody in any decision, is not going with what your gut or your heart told you and then realizing later that that was a mistake. Because then you got a bunch of what ifs. Man, what? I I knew it. I had that. That would have been my moment. And the reason I'm telling you that is... When I see a quarterback look bad, I'm out. I'm not waiting around for you to get better. I'm not waiting around for you. Maybe we'll go. Nope, out. Next. <laughs> I, watch, I watched you lose me games. Matter of fact, let's think back to the last four years of Auburn football. Counting this year, so four and a half years. Go back all the way back to 2019. How many games did a quarterback play badly and then recover to win us a game? How many games can any of any of you here chat remember? Going play back badly. Uh, I mean, I guess you you could technically say the Cal game he played badly. Peyton Thorne did and recovered and won the game. 
You could technically say that. Yeah, because he made some passes at the end. Yeah. He that, made some passes at the it. end. And he definitely played poorly at the beginning of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did. So maybe maybe Cal. I also question why we didn't run the ball more against Cal. So I, that may have been equal parts game playing on, on y'all to y'all's point. I they're very rarely the case when when Bo Nicks played bad, South Carolina at Florida his freshman year, at LSU his freshman year, we lost. We didn't have anybody ready in the tank. They didn't pull him. We lost. The one time they pulled a bad performing quarterback, Georgia State, we won. I don't like to wait around and wait for a bad situation to get worse. And I'm very surprised that coaches do because it's been across multiple coaches. Gus wouldn't pull him. Um, Harson pulled him once and it worked, but later Harson wouldn't pull a guy unless it's just going off. And now Hugh Freeze, I mean, he obviously will pull Thorne out, but it, it, he won't make that final decision. I am not going to ignore what I see. It was pretty obvious to me. You can't play for two and a half, two years plus all this start and all this winning and come down here and look like this. You ain't it. I don't know what goes on in locker rooms. I don't know what goes on in practice. I don't know the finer points of quarterback play that Peyton Thorne must have absorbed from his dad and his granddad, this lineage of coaches. I don't know. All I know is that it's not working. And I wonder why much better football minds. Like when you put this guy to the test right here and you say, all right, this is the look. Where are you going with the ball? Does he tell you the right thing? Okay. If he doesn't tell you those right things when you're testing him, then obviously he's not the guy. If he can answer correctly and not do it in the game, obviously he's not the guy. Because the alternative now is we have a historically bad defense, not 2012 bad. 2012 bad. 2012 football was different than 2023 football. This Historically is, bad offense, you meant. Yes, yeah, so, so, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Historically bad offense. 2023 football as... Offenses are wide open, and you can get more penalties for touching the quarterback. This is a different level of incompetence right here. So I'm, I'm, I'm still left befuddled at how you can stick with the guy and not make a switch because the alternative to this point would have been what? Three and three? Except now maybe Robbie Ashford or Holden Garner because, again, he wasn't like he was miles behind in, in camp. Whoever you decide to stick with, that is better than the guy who you chose to be the starter because you didn't even say he was the best guy in camp. Like, right. You didn't think he was the best player in camp. Well, he, ne- he, never, he never said it out loud if he did. Right? He never said Peyton Thorne. He said he gave him the job because he wanted him to stop pressing, which tells me they made up the, his, their minds be to play him almost but, regardless but of what happened. To, to B's point, you're saying he's pressing, which means he's not playing well. And not playing well, right? Yeah. So it was. It was. I don't know. Like again, when when I tweeted out the quarterback ranking, so to speak, it was about how they were playing in camp and not how I thought that the race would finish. But you know, there were a lot of reports that Holden was playing really good ball. You know, um, Robbie still has his things to work on, but there were times where um, a lot of onlookers felt like he won camp and it that people went back and forth between the two which is why i put i you know i had a few more people tell me that holden had played the best which is why i put him at the top and thorn was third because literally the feedback on him was almost it was either non-existent or it was not good but you went this direction here's the here's the fundamental issue with nil guys i know we got to get to the break 
the money that's technically the investment cannot influence the decisions to play certain players. I'm sorry, it, it just can't. And I, ha- I can't help but wonder, given what we know internally about some of the numbers that have been flying around, whether that is a factor in this. If you went out and you said, I want Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne d- does what he's supposed to do, right? His people, they, they probably leveraged that, knowing that you need a quarterback, seeing where other guys are going and say, this is what it takes me to get me here. And theoretically speaking, let's say it was a couple hundred thousand dollars, and somebody forked over that money, and then you don't play him? Right. I mean, I'm sure that doesn't sit well with those people. Wait, what did I give you all this money for (laughs) if he's not going to play? Now, ultimately, if it were me, if it were my dollars, I personally, if he's not playing well, would not care if you made the switch. Hey, I know I gave you all this money, but I gave it to you because I want to see the team win. (laughs) Right. Right. It is, you know, investments are gambles. You are gambling that the thing that you're investing in is going to pay off. Not every investment pays off. If you've ever invested, invested money or actually gambled, you know that. (laughs) Right. The people who lose at investing hold on to bad investments. They don't cut their losses. They don't be they don't say, you know what, I'm going to stop the bleeding for tonight. (laughs) I'm done tonight. <laughs> they usually double down. Now, I'm not going to chase one bad decision after another, right? right. I mean, uh, Brian and I are the are we're we're gambling war report. Me and Brian, right? So like he understand <laughs> like he understands this, right? If you sit down at a blackjack table and you lose five hands in a row, what have you seen so many people do? Bet it all on the six hand to try to win it all back at one time, <laughs> and then go broke rather than saying, you know what, tonight's not my night. Yep, just gonna turn it in. <laughs> You see it all the time. Now, it's sports betting. It's the same thing. Man, I was so close on that Oregon bet. I bet Oregon on the money line. And, like, if Dan Lanning wasn't a dummy, I won. Like, I technically, you justify the decision you made because it should have worked out. And then instead of making a course correct, you double down. (laughs) And that bad thing keeps on happening until you're broke. All I'm saying is, Hugh, don't let the bad thing keep happening until you're broke. <laughs> or fired because he's yeah, right. broke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Figuratively broke. <laughs> right. Like, you know, cut your losses when you can, make the pivot, because that is what the people who are successful at making investments into things and people do. They understand when they've made a bad decision and they make the necessary pivot, right? To cut their losses and then start anew and lay a new foundation. Right. We see it happen at the pro level all the time. How many times? Look, they instituted a rookie wage scale in the NFL just for this reason, because GMs were making insane bets on unproven rookies. Sam Bradford got 75, get a 75 million dollar contract. Some GM looked at Sam Bradford and said, you know what? 50 mil guaranteed. (laughs) Can't miss. Right. And then the next year when Cam got drafted, they were like, you know what? Let's not let teams do that anymore. <laughs> right. Cam was the number one pick and his contract was only like 22 or 23 mil. The, the Panthers guaranteed the entire thing, but nobody got more than Cam on their rookie contract because the number one pick sets the scale. 
But they understood if left to their own devices, these GMs will make bad decisions that trickle down to everybody else in the rest of the league. What does that mean? It means if you are a veteran free agent, there's no money left for me, the guy who's proven I can do it, because you spent it all on Sam damn Bradford. And there's a salary cap. So they had to help them out of their own bad decisions with the rookie wage scale. Now you have NIL, and it's not an unlimited pot of money, but as long as they have belief in you, they'll find the money to get the guys that you want. And if this is what we're going to do, look, man, put a salary cap in. <laughs> right? <laughs> and the commissioner needs to be overseeing these deals. Where <laughs> somebody would be like, what? You want to pay what? For, for who? <laughs> for Payne Thorne? No, no, no. We can't let you do that. <laughs> Let's limit the investment here or find somebody else. <laughs> nah, dog. Right, right. So that you're not stuck having to play the guy because of the investment. These are pro problems. <laughs> right? I'm just saying. These are pro problems. This is ha what happens. Involved. We wanted players to get paid so bad, nobody considered the effect that it would have on the mismanagement side of the money in college football. Well, to, to be fair now, what we wanted was the universities to split some of that college contract, coach contract money and all these resources you pour in there because they're making the universities money. Mm. But fortunately for the universities, they kind of sidestepped that bullet and let it go down to the fan base and, and companies and businesses to fund the players getting paid. This is not the original vision. This just made sense because a kid missing games for signing autographs for his name sounded that's ridiculous right that's ridiculous so okay let's start that but of course the arms race was going to end up trying to find a way to get kids as much money as possible it should have been top down from the universities to these players and it should be open transparent mm. flat rates and all that stuff that's what it should have been